What a privilege it is to be able to uh, meet with you tonight and, and share some things. Now, I asked Larry on the way in here, how, how cold does it have to get before you folks start wearing coats? This is like, I mean, this is crazy. Like, I wore a long one tonight. I guess every one of you that I just said I wore a long coat, every one of you probably thought wimp. Yeah. I, I saw people walking in, they didn't even have a coat. Last, uh, last Wednesday night, whenever I was here, I, I walked in and I hung my little coat up. And it was the only coat when, when I hung it up. And then when I left... It was the only coat. So I, the good news was I didn't have any problem finding it. Uh, the bad news is, obviously, uh, my blood has to do some changing. But it will probably happen. I would like to say from, uh, from an outsider who is becoming a part of this church, I'd like to just tell you that during our Thanksgiving meal, which was the smallest Thanksgiving meal we've had in in a very long time, and we actually enjoyed the five of us sitting around the table. And um, so after we thanked God for the food, when we started eating, we used our Thanksgiving meal to go around the table and everybody say one thing that they were thankful for. We'd, we'd never really done it like that before. And it was amazing uh, how much about this church was coming out in that conversation. And some of you were even called by, by name and were, very, were just very thankful for the privilege of being here and uh, the way that you have, have welcomed us. We, we appreciate it a lot. Obviously, I give honor to the Harpoles, and um, we've, we've been friends for many years, but now I'm getting to uh, just observe from there or there whenever I get to come here to church. And, uh, and I knew that he was a they. I knew that they were wonderful people. We've known that for many years. But, you know, you, you, don't, you know this. You, you know that you don't just have a good pastor couple. you got a great pastor couple. Uh, he has a, just a great heart. Uh, they have a great heart vision. And, and I've often said in pulpits, blessed is the church who has leadership worth following. And you are, you are blessed. I was reading a book, and we'll get to the handout in just a moment. But there's a book that I've been reading for the last uh, little bit called The Battle Plan for Prayer. The Battle Plan for Prayer. It's just a great prayer book. There's some doctrinal things in it that obviously we don't agree with, but... It's a good book, and just last week I was reading um, the portion where it was talking about praying for those in authority, praying for those in authority. A piece of that had to do with, with, our, with our pastor, the pastor in our lives. And I just want to read this, and then we're going to get into to teaching. This is what the book said. Our pastors need an army of prayer warriors and their churches lifting them up. Their work is eternal and vital. Their calling is draining and demanding. The expectations on them are endless. 
They are commanded by God to be diligent and sacrificial, devoted and faithful, passionate and pure, genuinely seeking to honor the Lord and reach their communities through the serving and equipping of their congregations. Yet the enemy more intensely attacks them. And then the book said something that I I have said uh, for many, many years. He paints a bright red target on them and their families. You can believe that. And tries to wear them down to derail their homes, health, and ministries. Much of their service is visible, but many of their responsibilities are private. Laboring in study, providing spiritual counsel, peacemaking, and a never-ending stream of conflict. They carry a heavy load amid sometimes murmuring opposition, so they can grow discouraged and overwhelmed under the weight of a good work. I've not picked this up at all from the Harpoles, but that is so true that that can happen. Like Aaron and Hur did for Moses, we should faithfully lift up their arms in prayer, knowing their own strength is not enough. They too are tempted to sin, quit, or soften their message to appease the opinions of men. That's why they need our prayers, your prayers. If you want a better pastor, start praying boldly and faithfully for the one you already have and rally your church to do the same. Pray using Paul's instruction. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for God's protection around your pastor, his heart, his marriage, and his home. Pray that he would freely, confidently, and unapologetically fulfill his ministry, that he would fear God more than men, that the Spirit would cause many to be drawn to the gospel and grow rapidly in the Christ-likeness through his efforts, or we will say through their efforts. Uh, let's, let's pray like that for, for them. If it's not your habit, many of you, I'm sure, lift them up every day in prayer. But if that's not your habit, it's easy for it to slip. Please lift, lift them up and lift their children up. Um, I talk, he has no idea that I'm saying this. He, he didn't say, hey, would you say something like, no, no, not at all. But I, you know, I just know the target that is on the man of God. And unfortunately, the target's also on the children. You know, it's like, it's like when David, um, when David was actually, when he was saved from being destroyed by Absalom. He was back in the palace. His general, Joab, he was weeping in the corner. Everybody else was, you know, everybody else was, uh, you know, shouting for victory that we didn't lose the kingdom. David's weeping. Uh, and, and his son was trying to kill him, but he was still weeping. And uh, Joab went and said, look, if you don't get out here and act happy, the people that are with us are going to leave us. And, and David's, David's uh, prayer was, you know, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, would God, I have died for thee, Absalom, my son. And it's like, are you kidding me? You should have killed him. You know, well, no, no, not when it's your kid. And so many times what the enemy will do will target children of pastors and will target children of leaders in churches because nothing will, will uh, affect someone like their children. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, let's, let's teach. You got your hand out? 
Thankfulness is powerful. Thankfulness is powerful. Being thankful is life-changing, and I feel that thankfulness is um, thankfulness is what I refer to as one of the foundation stones of life. Another one would be honesty. You, there's nothing you can do with a liar. Nothing. And so honesty is a foundation stone of life. Well, I believe that, that thankfulness is also one of those stones. Let me read a part of a list that I read that some housewives put together. And they talked about what they were thankful for. One of them said, for automatic dishwashers, because they make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back in for after-dinner snacks. That's what one was thankful for. Another one said that she was thankful for husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house. Because then they mess it up enough that they have, they have to call the professionals in and it actually gets fixed. Another lady said that she was thankful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves and that they are such a joy and she just hated to see it when they went home to their own parents. That's what, that's what she was thankful for. And then another one said, I am thankful for teenagers because they give us an opportunity to learn a second language. And that is the truth. How many of you have had to ask your teenagers what words meant that you thought you knew? Just like basic words that, that used to mean one thing and then a lot, a lot to be, a lot to be thankful for. Now I know that, that Thanksgiving was last week, but I also know that, uh, the pastor was finishing Sunday morning, uh, when he was making his last remarks and he started talking about uh, in the last days and started naming so many things, but he keyed in on people being unthankful, unthankful. Uh, I'd like for you to, to turn to somebody uh, next to you, behind you, whatever, and tell them something that you are thankful for, and it can't be God, it can't be this church, it can't be your pastor, and it can't be your family. All right? All right, so it can't be God, it can't be this church, it can't be your family, because it's so easy to say, I'm thankful for God. All right? Thankful for. Thankful for. Now, I, I definitely don't have a lot of time here to, uh, to get a lot of feedback, but what did somebody say that they were thankful for? Anybody? Did, for health. Yeah, absolutely. Anything. Health? Transportation? Transportation? Good. Yeah. Thankful for. Anything over here? Anybody? Thankful. What? Friends. Friends. Jobs. Yeah. There's, there's many many things to be thankful for. Now that the Thanksgiving meal is over, now let's focus on the message. Are you ready? This is the message of, of Thanksgiving. Number one, begin with Thanksgiving. Starting off is a key to many in, endeavors. And Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. 
serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. That's something I've noticed about this church. I have noticed that there's a lot of serving, there's a lot of gladness, and there's a lot of singing. So you're in a great place to be moving this one forward. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. If you were not here Sunday morning, you'd, I assume that message is on the archives now. I would imagine that it is. I'm looking for, okay, I'm getting a yes. Uh, if you were not here Sunday morning, you need to listen to pastor's message on the immeasurable goodness of God. That was, that was an amazing, that was an amazing word. I've told him that and I think he thinks that I'm just being nice to him. That, that was an amazing message and people need to hear that. For the Lord is good. He's good. Uh, whatever's going on in, in our life, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, thank God, and his truth endureth to all generations. So what the word is saying is enter, begin, start here, start with being thankful. Now I could be blunt and I could say, be thankful or stay out. Or we can be a little bit better and we can say, get thankful and come in. Get thankful and come in. I've challenged people for the last um, several years, and I would imagine I've said it behind this pulpit, that I've challenged people to let your first waking thought be how big and how great God is. How big and how great God is. Train, just train yourself to do that. You're missing out in a major way if, if you don't do that. I realize how challenging life can be. But I also realize that we cannot allow our thoughts to be dictated by our human emotion due to our circumstances. We cannot allow that. Don't, don't take a beat down, setting down. Fight it. I mean, get, get into it with the word and actually fight it. Wake up thinking how big God is, how great God is, and start being thankful for something just as soon as you can. If we consider this, that mankind is blessed with the ability to decide what we think and what we speak. We get the opportunity to decide. I decide. John, you decide what we think and what we speak. What we think and what we speak. I am convinced that if we'll ever get serious enough about our thoughts and our words, we'll change our lives. If, if we will ever get practical enough and intentional enough to control our thoughts and our words, we can absolutely change our lives and many of the people around us. We can be thankful if we choose to be, but it is, it is a choice. So it's saying to enter, to begin, start, 
Start through his gates with thanksgiving. Start with thanksgiving. Start being thankful. We had a, uh, I had a, a, a college instructor and we actually got graded on, on this for a period of time that, that we had to, uh, when we got out of bed, that the first thing we were to do is just stand up beside our bed, do 10 toe lifts, and every time we went up, we had to say, today is going to be a good day. Today is going to be a good day. Now, he, he graded us on that. He, he gave us a grade. It was just 10 toe lifts. I, you know, I challenge you if, if usually when you get up in the morning that you have a hard time. Now, I'm not saying if it takes you a while to get awake. You know, people are wired differently. But, but if, but if you're having a hard time getting your mind going in the right direction, then you got to get intentional about that and you got to do something about that and you can't wait for circumstances to make you happy. Take control of it. We choose what we think about, we choose what we say, and we can choose to be thankful. And the word says, enter. Enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving. And then, yes, it goes in then to his courts with praise and all of these things. But I'm not focusing on those things. We're focusing on how to begin. It begins with thanksgiving. And then let's consider thanksgiving and God connection. Thanksgiving and God connection. Now, when we speak of God connection, we're speaking of prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. So let's look at the word on this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful, or in other words, it's saying be anxious. Be anxious for what? Can you say that again? Nothing. Now, I know that in a, in a way, that, that word right there, that sentence right there, can convict us all at, at different times. But the word is saying, be anxious, be careful for nothing. The biblical meaning for nothing is nothing. Nothing. Be Anxious, be careful for nothing. But, but it's easy to then look at things like that in the Bible and say, well, obviously, if they were living in my shoes, that wouldn't be what, no, look at, at how the word helps us be careful for nothing. But here we are. But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So the word is saying, be anxious, be careful, be anxious, be stressed out, be out of your mind, be losing your head for nothing. That's, that's what the word says. But knowing that there's going to be so much pressure in this world, then we're told, but in everything by prayer. See, when we look at, when we look at somebody and we say, have you prayed about this? That should not come across as a cop out. That should not be a cop out. It, we, we should not, we should not even hesitate to say, have you prayed about this? Well, 
you know, it's why pray when you can gripe? Why, I mean, I mean, why pray when you can talk to somebody else? And I'm not saying we don't ever have to talk to anybody else, but the word is saying, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The word is, is not saying just, just come and just come and tell me, come and tell me. No, it's saying you bring your prayer and your supplication with thanksgiving. How does that work? How can I do that? I'll tell you how it works for me whenever I'm up against situations in my life that I cannot handle. And believe me, I'm human and I live there often. I pray about it being thankful to God for those other times in my life when I didn't know what I was going to do, but he brought me through. So when we go with our needs, we're going with our needs, but it's not just, God help me with this, God get me out of this jam, God what in the world, what am I going to do about this, there's no way I can, it's not just that, it's God I'm bringing this to you and I'm thanking you because in 1990, whenever I was at the Red Sea, you parted it. Or in 1995 or 2005 or that time when I had absolutely no money and you brought that time when you, that is being anxious, being, being out of our mind, being a nervous wreck for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with, by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, here it is. Now, here's the verse. And the peace of God. You ready for this one? Which passeth all understanding. Does anybody know, I should have studied this out and known this before I even threw it out, but it just hit my head. Does anybody know how, how far a fish has to go underwater, like if it's storming or whatever? What's the depth? That you have, that the fish go to and then it's calm. Anybody know? I don't know. I'm thinking it's 30 feet or something, something like, something around that. In other words, the storm is still going on. They're in, there is a storm in the world, but depth, depth down inside. Listen, I'm not saying that you're going to have, you know, in situations in life that's never going to get your attention or, or, you know, just really, oh, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But we do not have to lose our inner peace in all of that. Because the peace which passes understanding. Have you ever, have you ever been going through something or have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I just have a peace. I just, I don't, I just don't understand. You know, it, nothing makes sense on the surface, but there's just, but there's an inner, inner down there peace. It's, I've heard that. I have felt that. That's what the word is speaking of. But the peace which passeth understanding, you won't understand it, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we're clearly told that our prayer and supplication must be with thanksgiving. It is a power concept and fact as we remember what God has done for us in the past and as we thank him for the past, we gain faith for the present and the future. And believe me, we know that there are seasons in life that, that are extremely tough and some of them can last a very long time. But this is what the word says. So, Thanksgiving. 
and God connection. How we even connect with God. Number three, let's look at Thanksgiving and the miraculous. What we're doing tonight is we're just looking at the power of Thanksgiving and what it, it is connected to in the Bible. John 6 and 11. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. It's interesting how he gave thanks, and he broke the bread, and then the the miracle uh, happened, but there was thanksgiving a part of all of that. Jesus gave thanks. I mean, if, if Jesus gave thanks, then I definitely think that I need to make that as a, a serious part of my life. Jesus gave thanks. Thanks. I, I wonder how many more miracles we would see if we would become more thankful. I wonder how much more of the miraculous could happen in our life if we really worked on being thankful for what he has already done. I started something at the beginning of this year, I believe. Uh, I believe it was the beginning of this year. It doesn't matter, but I, I think it was the beginning of the uh, Miracles and blessings. Miracles, January. January of this year. And so I've just got a, a note on my phone, and it's just miracles and blessings. And so um, I could look back, and, and I can look at January, February, and it just it goes and goes and goes. And every time that a miracle happens in, uh, in uh, my life or our family's life or a blessing, some type of blessing, I just reach in there and, and add it, date it and add it to the list. Just, I want, I want God to know I'm thankful. That I'm thankful. And so sometimes in prayer, you know, I can pull that out. I can look at it. And now it's getting to where uh, some of my family members, sometimes something will happen. And they'll say, hey, Dad, make sure that goes on the list. Or, hey, Terry, that, that needs to go on, on the list. I challenge you to do that. It's just, it's amazing what really happens in our life that can be a blessing or, I mean, it could be as much as somebody, you know, going out of their way to help you with something or however, it doesn't have to be, well, you know, unless somebody gives me a new car or a hundred bucks and above or what. No, 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 it's not that. It's blessings or miracles. See, I operate from the standpoint that God is the ultimate steward. He's the ultimate steward. Another foundation stone of life is stewardship. We don't have time to deal with that one. But I just believe that the more you focus on him, the more you'll be able to hear him. I just believe that the more aware you become of his activity and the work of the Spirit in our lives, the more activity of the Spirit will happen in our lives. And so be be thankful. Work work on it. Don't just say, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm going to be thankful. No, get intentional about it. Start writing down things. Go back, refer it. Put it in your Bible. 
um, uh, you know, when God speaks to you, thank him for that word. Write that word down. Whenever pastor's preaching, somebody's teaching and something, you know, hits your spirit. Hey, don't don't lose that. I mean, write that down. Thank thank God for that word. I thank God for that word. That that message spoke to me or that lesson spoke to me or maybe somebody will give you a word. Make it is a big deal. It's a big deal when the spirit of God just direct something to us or or the convict conviction is a blessing all of these things thank god for it now now let's look at thanksgiving and wholeness thanksgiving and wholeness luke 17 15 through 19 and one of them speaking of the 10 lepers one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Nine had sufficient faith for their health to be restored, but one was thankful and was made whole. Now, I don't know what the difference was. Maybe somebody has studied that out and you have a better insight on it than I. I just know this. There were nine that were healed, but this one was healed and made whole. And he was made whole because he was thankful. He went back and was thankful. He broke away from the group to express thankfulness. Listen, there is an epidemic today of unthankful, self-centered, arrogant, Self-focused people. We, we all know that. We cannot be a part of that group. We must not be a part of that group. We break away. Sometimes being determined to be thankful will break you away. Sometimes we have to be very intentional to break away and be made whole. He broke away from his survival, focus, comfort zone. And we, we, listen, when we're thinking about leprosy and lepers, especially back in those days, we cannot comprehend the life of a leper. They were outcast. The disease then formed their own secondary family. They're, they're now a part of a diseased group, a rejected group. They were rejected from society. I cannot imagine. I can't imagine living like, like that. And he was not only a leper, he was also a Samaritan. Jesus even referred to him as a stranger. But he had faith, and then what set him apart was not that he was just a leper or a Samaritan leper, but he was, he was a thankful leper. Now, somebody that needs to speak to somebody. I don't know what's eating away at you. 
you know, I don't, I don't know what it is that is eating away at you or is separating you from everyone else in your mind. If you have found yourself in that situation, you need to intentionally become thankful. You say thankful for what? Thankful for something. Just thankful for something. In your notes, Thanksgiving moved him from human benefits to soul benefits. Thankfulness. Thankfulness moved him from just the human benefits to soul benefits. It's time to look beyond physical healing. It's time for us to look beyond physical healing. Some of you may need physical healing, and you may look at me and say, well, if you were dealing with, with what I'm dealing with, you wouldn't make it sound so light. I'm not making it sound so light because physical healing is a, is a major need. But physical healing is not the ultimate. And what we need is we need soul healing. We need wholeness. We need wholeness. We need to be operating in a manner that we can be whole and we can help people to be whole. You see, self-opposition, self-opposition is a major issue today. It's a major issue. In the Word of God, it talks about to the, to the leader, to the preacher, to the teacher, uh, in meekness, instructing those that, what? Oppose themselves. Self-opposition is a, it's an epidemic. I've, I've taught this strong for the last three years. Self-opposition is an epidemic. Satan wants, um, uh, okay, Jesus said to Peter, Jesus said to Peter, um, Satan had desire to what? To sift you like what? Wheat. The sifting process is a separating process. To sift you as wheat. The enemy comes to sift us. Piece by piece. And the enemy's very patient. And he seeks to sift us piece by piece. But what did Jesus say? But I have prayed for you that, that your that your faith fail not. We must move past self-opposition. Do you know why that the enemy fights us so hard to oppose, for us to oppose ourselves? It's because we are God's crowned creation. We are the, we are the prize, folks. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, that, I'm not trying to be arrogant with that. We are the prize. Your house is not, your car is not, your job is not. You are. God didn't robe himself in flesh and come down here in the flesh of Jesus Christ and, and, and die that we could have better cars or better houses or, or be more popular. No, he came to redeem us. He came to take back what, what the enemy stole. He came. We were the prize. He wasn't coming down here for trees or for the ocean or mountains or no, us. 
And so the enemy wants you, John, I'll just pick on you since I've kind of already and, and singled you out. The enemy just wants you, John, to look in the mirror and think, loser, no power, insignificant, nobody, nothing, who cares? That's that, that's that self-opposition. That's that sifting process that the enemy wants to do in us to, to what? To keep us from what? Wholeness. First Thessalonians 5.23 talks about how we are spirit, soul, and body. So the enemy will attack us, will attack us in our spirit, in our soul, or in our body. Just trying to get a foothold. Why? Because the enemy knows God created us three part. So there are three entries into the enemy tries to seek one of three doors in our lives, spirit, soul, or body. You, 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 can, you cannot, you just, we cannot say, I'm going to dedicate my spirit to God, but now my soul and my body's mine. I'm, I'm going to dedicate my body to God, but now my soul and my spirit. No, it, it, there's no way it works like that. Because we are whole individuals and the enemy seeks to separate us and does not care where he starts just as long as he can get a foothold and get you thinking, get you looking in the mirror and thinking God really messed up. Is this making sense? We, we are never going to walk in dominion and authority when we're consistently looking at the floor. We, it's not, it's not going to happen. We're not going to win our world when we don't even realize the value that we are to God. And that's not arrogance, and that's, that's not all of that. That's just realizing who, who we are. And so we need to remind ourselves that the atonement includes salvation, deliverance, and healing. Salvation is the most important. Deliverance is the next most important. And healing is the third thing on the list. The atonement is deals with salvation and deliverance and healing. When we're praying for, for people, we, we need, we need to, yes, have faith and we need to, to pray based on the atoning work, provision at the cross for our healing. That the atonement Will, will manifest itself. But it's not just when we pray for their healing. It's when we're praying for spirits and souls. When, when we're, it's the whole person. And it's interesting that, that nine received healing. But one was thankful and was made whole. Well, I gotta hurry. Time's getting away. Let's go to five. Thanksgiving as a lifestyle. Thanksgiving as a lifestyle. Charles Spurgeon said this, I think there is a better thing than thanksgiving. And he said, thanks living. Thanks living. 
He said, how is this to be done? By general cheerfulness of manner, by an obedience to the command of him by whose mercy we live, by a perpetual, constant delighting of ourselves in the Lord and by a submission of our desires to his will. Thanks living is the goal, that we live a life of thanks, that, that we live it. So why don't we bring it into our world today and let's decide how we can live this out. Colossians 3.17. This is a great scripture for Jesus' name, baptism. But, it's, but it has more uh, focus than, than just Jesus' name, baptism, and that's obviously huge. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. So we see where words and actions sum up most of our lives. And so it must be done in the name of Jesus. So we should aim to speak in the name of Jesus. We, we should aim to act and do and live our actions in the name of Jesus. We must do life thankfully in the name of Jesus. We should be speaking in Jesus' name. Our actions should be in Jesus' name, and we should be thankful while doing both. Thankful. Growing up in, in Fort Smith, Arkansas, <coughs> excuse me, I grew up in Fort Smith, and I was two weeks old when we, I was born in West Virginia. And I was two weeks old when my parents were just waiting for me to be born for them to move to Fort Smith. And so then I lived there uh, until I moved to Alexandria the weekend I turned 25. We had, a, we had an elderly couple in our church in Fort Smith, and their names were the Staley's, brother and sister Staley. And, and we, they lived between us and the church, so... Uh, if it was bad weather or whatever, you know, my mom, dad would swing by and pick up the Staley's up or, or dad would go drop us off and go back and get them. And, and, uh, the Staley's, we were just around the Staley's. Well, uh, just a delightful couple. They were just so nice, encouraging brother Staley passes away. And, um, and so sister Staley, she, uh, even during that time, she was known here, here is what sister Staley was known for. You could ask anybody in the Fort Smith church that was back there in those days. Now, I'm talking when I was nine, nine, ten years old. So, man, that was 20 years ago. And back all the way in those days, if you ask anybody and you said, Sister Staley, they would say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It didn't matter, you know, uh, Sister Staley, how are you feeling? I mean, even after her husband passed away, I'm thankful. Well, we assume they had a good marriage. That would make you wonder. But, you know, he, she, she was like always, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. That's what she was known for, I'm thankful. And it was, it's very interesting to me that whenever I was studying to put this together for tonight, and my mind went to... Now, you know, who are some very, very thankful person? My mind just immediately went to Sister Staley because I'm telling you, that's what she said all the time. Don't be like this, this man that I read about. And now I'm going to issue a corny alert right now. 
How many of you like corny jokes? Come on, be honest. Put your hands way up. What? Put your hand in the air. I mean, how, how many of you just like cornball stuff? Okay, got it? Well, here it is. A man well known for his constant complaining inherited a large sum of money. When he got it, he complained about how it was not as much as he thought it should be. He bought a farm and asked his wife what she thought he should name it, and she quickly answered, why don't you call it Belly Acres? What, on a scale of one to ten, what? Four or five? An eight? I got an eight on that one. Yeah, Belly Acres. What do you think you should call it? Belly Acres. Have you, have you ever been around people that it really, it doesn't matter, they could not be thankful for anything? I mean, you just can't please. There's just some people that you just can't please. I got to move on here because I, I can feel a spirit of getting into trouble settling in on me. And I, I, haven't, I haven't been with uh, you folks nearly long enough for me to flow with that spirit yet. Because that, that can get dangerous and Melanie can get real nervous. Uh, number six, Thanksgiving can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, not for everything. In, not for. You look down Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It says that everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and to heal and to break down and to build up and to weep and laugh and mourn and dance and cast away stones and gather stones together, to embrace, to refrain from embracing, to get, to lose, to keep, to cast away, to rend, to sow, to keep silent, to speak, to love, love or hate, and then a time of war and a time of peace. Okay, that is a load of life. But it says very particularly to everything there is a season, and then it starts naming it all. Every bit of those. And so we struggle to be thankful in negative times. It's... It's easy to be thankful in good times, in positive times. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I can tell you, I have never said to God, God, I thank you that my father died when he was 42. I, I thank you for that. Do we have any, is there anybody, any men in here who's 42 years old? Do we have a 42-year-old man in here? Would you please stand, please? Okay, yeah. Right, right there. I mean, that's young. All right. I mean, that's young. Okay. You can be seated. Thank you. I, I've never said that. I have never said thank you. I thank you, God, for my father dying whenever he was 42. I've never, do we have a 63 year old in here? Anybody? And that's, that's not being too intrusive. Is there a, a man? Is, okay. We have a woman here. Okay. Okay. 63. Would you please stand? Okay. We, we have a couple. All right. Here, here's my, my father-in-law right here. You can be seated. I mean, her dad, Pat, he, two, 
When I tell you these two men were godly men, I mean kingdom men, amazing men. Well, but you just need to thank God, you know, for their death. There won't be a day I thank God for their death. No way. And, and the Bible doesn't tell me that I've got to be thankful for their death. You know, and then, my, my goodness, I, I would have to be very careful here, but the incredibly crazy things people say to people when their world goes upside down. I mean, it's just, just hug people and pat them on the back and ask if they need water or an errand run. You know, don't, don't, don't start speaking from God to them about why. I actually had somebody tell me that, well, you know, uh, the reason why your father passed away is because God knew he would backslide. What? My dad taught Bible studies connected to a dialysis machine. I don't think the man was going to backslide. No, I'm not. No, I know. I'm not going to think. No, I'm not thankful for that. I'll never be thankful for that. Well, time heals. No, it doesn't. It helps. Time does not heal. You know, I missed him this Thanksgiving. I missed him last Thanksgiving. I missed him both. Pop's birthday was on Thanksgiving. I missed him, but I'll miss him at Christmas. And if I live 10 more years, I'll, I'll miss him at all Christmas, all Thanksgiving. Yeah, I am not thankful for it, but I must be thankful in it. It's a challenge. I could go on and on with some of those things, but, but I've, I've got to move on. Thankful in, not thankful for. Being thankful is the will of God. It is the will of God that we remain thankful in. Number seven, accept the challenge to be thankful now. Now, here it is. Accept the challenge to be thankful now. Philippians 4, 5 through 7, this third word in this verse is a word that we, the church, needs a great revelation of. Let your, here's the word, moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Here we are, back at the verse that we've already used. Be careful, be anxious, all that, nervous, all this. Be, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It looks like to me that if it's no thankfulness, there can be no peace. It, it looks like to me that Thankfulness is connected to peace. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Please, please hear me, church. Learned. Contentment is learned. 
It's learned. And we need, uh, Pastor taught the last several weeks on integrity, and we, we need as adults to have a level of integrity that leads us to contentment. Now, we can be content and not satisfied, but we must learn contentment. Seasons come in our life and seasons go, but we must learn. If we could learn moderation and contentment, I promise you it would position us to be much more powerful in the kingdom. Those two things. Verse 12, he, he starts talking now. I know both how to be abased and how, and I know how to abound, abased, abound, abased, abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and hungry, full and hungry, abased, abound, full, hungry. You see this. And, and both to abound and to suffer need. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness alone is not enough. Godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. If we have something to eat and something to wear, that should be enough to be content. You say, well, now that's, you know, wake up, big boy. It's, uh... You know, we're, we're not living in the dark ages. I know it. But the word of God's the word of God. And the word of God is not bound. The principles of the word of God are not bound by culture. And so this is key. It might not be the best food that we're eating, but we'd better be thankful for it. They might not be the best clothes that, that everybody... See, you know what? You know what would be great in our life? It would be great if we would go ahead and understand right now that somebody's always going to have more. Somebody's always going to have better clothes. They're always going to have a better car. They're always going to have a better house. Somebody's always going to get better breaks. Somebody's always going to be in some position that may, we may wish we were in. Or somebody's always, 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 always. And you can drive yourself crazy if you don't deal with that fact and wrestle that thing down and get content. So you might not have the best clothes, but you need to wash and iron the ones you've got and be thankful for. And it might not be the best car, but you need to wash it and wax it the two months, I guess, a year around here that you can wax one and, and, be, and be thankful for it. In Louisiana, you know, we, we, we spread that out a little bit. But, you know, in March... Or what? No, you can't even trust it in March from what I'm hearing. What, July? I mean, does it even warm up in July where you get, okay, wax your car in July. It might not be the best house, but you can shovel the snow away from it. And, but you can clean it up and you can be thankful for it. Right? We must be, and I want to tell you, the, the church, the church I got to hurry and I can't get in trouble. The church that can quit looking on the outward, on everybody inside the church and judging by what we have or don't have or what, and, and start looking at the soul and the God gifting that God has put into people, that church cannot be stopped. 
It will not be. And if we're going to train our children to be content, guess what? We're going to have to live contented. And this next generation, we have to help them with that. So here we are bringing it in for a landing. Let's, the, the wheels are down in the airplane. We're about to land this thing. In your notes, you can't keep a thankful person down and you can't keep an unthankful person propped up. You can't. There's no way. If somebody is truly thankful, you can't keep them down. There's no way to keep them down. If somebody's not thankful, you can't prop them up. You can't keep them propped up. I mean, if, you know, if you're always having to tell somebody, oh, you know, oh, you're great. Oh, oh, you're wonderful. Oh, you're fantastic. Oh, you're, I mean, at some point, people that are, you know, trying to keep you up, they're, you know, they're about worn out trying to keep people up. It's like, no, we've got to get thankful for what we have and quit judging things just on the outward, how we look, how we think, who likes us, who thinks we're this, who thinks we're that. No, it's just, I'm content. And I'm thankful, and you don't have to keep me propped up. I'll prop my own self up because I will be content and I will be thankful. There's power in it. <coughs> People mine for gold and valuables. They have to move a lot of debris to find it. And so my challenge is, can we be thankful miners can we mine for things to be thankful for? People spend thousands of dollars on hunting equipment and, and they spend much time in the woods. Can we hunt for something to be thankful for? Can we intentionally look for things to be thankful for, reasons to be thankful? Can, can we develop an at least mentality? At least. A bad thing happens to you, and, and, uh, and we need to literally start thinking, well, at least this didn't happen. You know, well, you know, one, I had one flat tire. Well, at least both of them aren't flat. We, we, need, we need to develop an at least mentality. Immediately, when something starts going wrong, in our mind, we need to jump into at least. Well, at least this didn't happen. Well, at least that didn't happen. There's power in it. A few, uh, a few years ago, obviously, God changed our whole ministry, and I, I am closing this time, I promise. And, it, and you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing now what I never even dreamed that we would do, and loving it, and it's, it's God's will, and we're excited. We just didn't see the turn coming, you know. And, uh, but God is so good, and, and God did this. Well, on one show, so we're traveling a lot now. Well, before last year, the longest time that we had ever been on the move, and what I'm talking about is you get up at your, in your bed, you get up from your bed, and then you go to bed in whatever country you're going to. Well, you know, we've done a lot of 30, 35 hours, you know, 30, 35 hours of traveling. And, you know, you're just half delirious, but you can get used to that if you do it enough. Well, then we had one that pushes to 48 hours. 
and that was crazy. And last year, we had one. We ended up sleeping in an airport for five hours, but it was a 58-hour stretch for me. Now, you it's almost like you're crazy. And see, traveling is glamorous to everybody who doesn't do it that much. But you do it all the time, and you know, you, you what you do is, is you check in the airport, and when you check in with your ticket, here's what you're saying. I am no longer a human. I am now cattle. That, that's exactly what it is. And so you're jammed on all the four, you know, four hours, six hours, 10 hours, 18 hours, what, whatever, on and on and on. Well, we, uh, I, I developed, uh, I adopted a saying, especially whenever I was going to get on a plane and I was walking up to the seat and it was my seat and the seat in front of it was broken. And, and so it was going to be eight hours, you know, like, like this. And, and that's, that's never a good thing at all. Those of you that fly on airplanes, okay, don't put your seat all the way back on somebody. Just do it a little bit, just a little bit. It's, you know, just, there's just things like that, that yeah, I just want to shake some people. So, but I have not, I never, I, I never have done that. So, so my at least thing on all this crazy travel is this. Apostle Paul and the disciples, the apostles, would have loved to have had this airplane. They'd have loved, they'd have loved to have had, how many times have I looked at you and said, they'd have loved to have had this airplane. Well, your flight is now delayed. You thought you were going to get home today. You're not. You might get home to, Apostle Paul would have loved to have had this airplane. Would have loved to have traveled like this. Adopt, adopt your saying and get thankful. Why should any adult provide one more thing for any unthankful child? Do you know kids can be loved the same but enjoyed differently? So now look at our Heavenly Father. Why should God provide me one more thing if I'm not thankful for what I have? Why should God provide me one more friend or one more dollar? He, he shouldn't provide me not one more meal, not one more day of health, not one more church family member, not one more ministry, not one more word of encouragement or personal word of guidance from any church leader, not one more good song from the choir, not one more anything, not one more nothing, for I am truly, until I am truly thankful for what I have. In your notes, being unthankful and complaining are deadly. It's an outward sign of inward trouble. And we must become overtly thankful, and we must remember Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We need to be thankful. Thankful. Amen? Thankful. We need to be thankful. Can, can we stand together right now? Can we stand together? Can we just close our eyes? And can we talk to the Lord a moment? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is designed to help us to walk in dominion and authority and have power as, as we walk. 
God, your word is designed in a manner that will give us inner peace that passes anything that we can understand. I'm just praying that we will intentionally be more thankful starting right now. Let it be done in your name, Jesus. And can the church say amen? Amen. Amen. How about shaking somebody's hand and telling them that you're thankful for them?